Chapter Seventeen of The Absentee by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As Lord Colambre was returning home, he was overtaken by Sir Terence O'Fay. Well, my lord cried sir terence out of breath you have led me a pretty dance all over the town here's a letter somewhere down in my safe pocket for you which has cost me trouble enough foo where is it now it's from miss nugent said he holding up the letter the direction to grosvenor square london had been scratched out and it had been redirected by sir terence to the lord viscount colambre at sir james brooks baronet brookwood huntingdonshire or elsewhere with speed but the more haste the worse speed for away it went to brookwood huntingdonshire where i knew if anywhere you was to be found but as fate and the post would have it there the letter went coursin after you while you were runnin round and back and forwards and everywhere i understand to todrington and restham and where not through all them english places where there's no cross post so i took it for granted that it found its way to the dead letter office or was stickin up across a pane in the damned postmaster's window at huntingdon for the whole town to see and it a love letter and some puppy to claim it under false pretence and you all the time without it and it might breed a coolness betwixt you and miss nugent but my dear sir terence give me the letter now you have me oh my dear lord if you knew what a race i have had missin you here by five minutes and there by five seconds but i have you at last and you have it and i'm paid this minute for all i liquidated of my substance by the pleasure i have in seeing you crack the seal and read it but take care you don't tumble over the orange woman orange barrows are a great nuisance when one's studying a letter in the streets of london or the metropolis but never heed stick to my arm and i'll guide you like a blind man safe through the thick of them miss nugent's letter which lord colambre read in spite of the jostling of passengers and the incessant talking of sir terence was as follows let me not be the cause of banishing you from your home and your country where you would do so much good and make so many happy let me not be the cause of your breaking your promise to your mother of your disappointing my dear aunt so cruelly who has complied with all our wishes and who sacrifices to oblige us her favourite tastes how could she ever be happy in ireland how could clonbrony castle be a home to her without her son if you take away all she had of amusement and pleasure as it is called are not you bound to give her in their stead that domestic happiness which she can enjoy only with you and by your means if instead of living with her you go into the army she will be in daily nightly anxiety and alarm about you and her son will instead of being a comfort be a source of torment to her i will hope that you will do now as you have always hitherto done on every occasion where i have seen you act what is right and just and kind come here on the day you promised my aunt you would before that time i shall be in cambridgeshire with my friend lady beryl she is so good as to come to buxton for me i shall remain with her instead of returning to ireland i have explained my reasons to my dear aunt could i have any concealment from her to whom from my earliest childhood i owe everything that kindness and affection could give 
she is satisfied she consents to my living henceforward with lady beryl let me have the pleasure of seeing by your conduct that you approve of mine your affectionate cousin and friend grace nugent this letter as may be imagined by those who like him are capable of feeling honourable and generous conduct gave our hero exquisite pleasure poor good-natured sir terence O'Fay enjoyed his lordship's delight and forgot himself so completely that he never even inquired whether lord colambre had thought of an affair on which he had spoken to him some time before and which materially concerned sir terence's interest the next morning when the carriage was at the door and sir terence was just taking leave of his friend lord clonbrony and actually in tears wishing them all manner of happiness though he said there was none left now in london or the wide world even for him lord colambre went up to him and said sir terence you have never inquired whether i have done your business oh my dear i'm not thinking of that now time enough by the post i can write after you but my thoughts won't turn for me to business now no matter your business is done replied lord colambre then i wonder how you could think of it with all you had upon your mind and heart when anything's upon my heart good morning to my head it's not worth a lemon good-bye to you and thank you kindly and all happiness attend you good-bye to you sir terence O'Fay, said lord clonbrony and since it's so ordered i must live without you oh you'll live better without me my lord i am not a good liver i know nor the best of all companions for a nobleman young or old and now you'll be rich and not put to your shifts and your wits what would i have to do for you sir terence O'Fay, you know was only the poor nobleman's friend and you'll never want to call upon him again thanks to your jewel your pitt's diamond of a son there so we part here and depend upon it you're better without me that's all my comfort or my heart would break the carriage is waitin this long time and this young lover's itchin to be off god bless you both that's my last word they called in red lion square punctual to the moment on old mr reynolds but his window shutters were shut he had been seized in the night with a violent fit of the gout which as he said held him fast by the leg but here said he giving lord colambre a letter here's what will do your business without me take this written acknowledgment i have penned for you and give my granddaughter her father's letter to read it would touch a heart of stone touched mine wish i could drag the mother back out of her grave to do her justice all one now you see at last i'm not a suspicious rascal however for i don't suspect you of palming a false granddaughter upon me will you said lord colambre give your granddaughter leave to come up to town to you sir you would satisfy yourself at least as to what resemblance she may bear to her father miss reynolds will come instantly and she will nurse you no no i won't have her come if she comes i won't see her shan't begin by nursing me not selfish as soon as i get rid of this gout i shall be my own man and young again and i'll soon be after you across the sea that shan't stop me i'll come to 
what's the name of your place in ireland and see what likeness i can find to her poor father in this granddaughter of mine that you puffed so finely yesterday and let me see whether she will wheedle me as finely as mrs petito would don't get ready your marriage settlements do you hear till you have seen my will which i shall sign at what's the name of your place write it down there there's pen and ink and leave me for the twinge is coming and i shall roar will you permit me sir to leave my own servant with you to take care of you i can answer for his attention and fidelity let me see his face and i'll tell you lord colambre's servant was summoned yes i like his face god bless you leave me lord colambre gave his servant a charge to bear with mr reynolds's rough manner and temper and to pay the poor old gentleman every possible attention then our hero proceeded with his father on his journey and on this journey nothing happened worthy of note on his first perusal of the letter from grace lord colambre had feared that she would have left buxton with lady beryl before he could reach it but upon recollection he hoped that the few lines he had written addressed to his mother and miss nugent with the assurance that he should be with them on wednesday would be sufficient to show her that some great change had happened and consequently sufficient to prevent her from quitting her aunt till she could know whether such a separation would be necessary he argued wisely more wisely than grace had reasoned for notwithstanding this note she would have left buxton before his arrival but for lady beryl's strength of mind and positive determination not to set out with her till lord colambre should arrive to explain in the interval poor grace was indeed in an anxious state of suspense and her uncertainty whether she was doing right or wrong by staying to see lord colambre tormented her most my dear you cannot help yourself be quiet said lady beryl i will take the whole upon my conscience and i hope my conscience may never have anything worse to answer for grace was the first person who from her window saw lord colambre the instant the carriage drove to the door she ran to her friend lady beryl's apartment he is come now take me away not yet my sweet friend lie down upon this sofa if you please and keep yourself tranquil whilst i go and see what you ought to do and depend upon me for a true friend in whose mind as in your own duty is the first object i depend on you entirely said grace sinking down on the sofa and you see i obey you many thanks to you for lying down when you can't stand lady beryl went to lady clonbrony's apartment she was met by sir arthur come my love come quick lord colambre is arrived i know it and does he go to ireland speak instantly that i may tell grace nugent you can tell her nothing yet my love for we know nothing lord colambre will not say a word till you come but i know by his countenance that he has good and extraordinary news they passed rapidly along the passage to lady clonbrony's room oh my dear dear lady beryl come or i shall die with impatience 
cried lady clonbrony in a voice and manner between laughing and crying there now you have congratulated are very happy and very glad and all that now for mercy's sake sit down lord clonbrony for heaven's sake sit down beside me here or anywhere now colambre begin and tell us all at once but as nothing is so tedious as a twice-told tale lord colambre's narrative need not here be repeated he began with count o'halloran's visit immediately after lady clonbrony had left london and went through the history of the discovery that captain reynolds was the husband of miss st omar and the father of grace the dying acknowledgment of his marriage the packet delivered by count o'halloran to the careless ambassador how recovered by the assistance of his executor sir james brooke the travels from Reston to Todrington and thence to Red Lion Square, the interview with old Reynolds and its final result, all was related as succinctly as the impatient curiosity of Lord Colambre's auditors could desire. Oh, wonder upon wonder, and joy upon joy, cried Lady Clonbrony. So my darling Grace is as legitimate as I am, and an heiress after all. Where is she? Where is she? in your room lady beryl oh colambre why wouldn't you let her be by lady beryl do you know he would not let me send for her though she was the person of all others most concerned for that very reason ma'am and that lord colambre was quite right i am sure you must be sensible when you recollect that grace has no idea that she is not the daughter of mr nugent she has no suspicion that the breath of blame ever lighted upon her mother this part of the story cannot be announced to her with too much caution and indeed her mind has been so much harassed and agitated and she is at present so far from strong that great delicacy true very true lady beryl interrupted lady clonbrony and i'll be as delicate as you please about it afterwards but in the first and foremost place i must tell her the best part of the story that she's an heiress madam that never killed anybody so darting through all opposition lady clonbrony made her way into the room where grace was lying yes get up get up my own grace and be surprised well you may you are an heiress after all am i my dear aunt said grace true as i'm lady clonbrony and a very great heiress and no more colambre's cousin than lady beryl here so now begin and love him as fast as you please i give my consent and here he is lady clonbrony turned to her son who just appeared at the door oh mother what have you done what have i done cried lady clonbrony following her son's eyes lord bless me grace fainted dead lady beryl oh what have i done my dear lady beryl what shall we do there her colour's coming again said lord clonbrony come away my dear lady clonbrony for the present and so will i though i long to talk to the darling girl myself but she is not equal to it yet when grace came to herself she first saw lady beryl leaning over her and raising herself a little she said what has happened i don't know yet i don't know whether i am happy or not then seeing lord colambre she sat quite upright 
you received my letter cousin i hope do you go to ireland with my aunt yes and with you i hope my beloved friend said colambre you once assured me that i had such a share of your esteem and affection that the idea of my accompanying you to ireland was not disagreeable to you you flattered me that i formed part of your agreeable associations with home yes sit down by me won't you my dear lady beryl but then i considered you as my cousin lord colambre and i thought you felt the same towards me but now but now my charming grace said lord colambre kneeling beside her and taking her hand no invincible obstacle opposes my passion no invincible obstacle did i say let me hope that i may say no obstacle but what depends on the change in the nature of your sentiments you heard my mother's consent you saw her joy i scarcely knew what i heard or saw said grace blushing deeply or what i now see and hear but of this i feel secure before i comprehend the mystery before you explain to me the causes of your change of conduct that you have never been actuated by caprice but governed by wise and honourable motives as to my going to ireland or remaining with lady beryl she has heard all the circumstances she is my friend and yours a better friend cannot be to her i appeal she will decide for me what i ought to do she promised to take me from hence instantly if i ought to go i did and i would do so without hesitation if any duty or any prudence required it but after having heard all the circumstances i can only tell you that i willingly resign the pleasure of your company but tell her my dear lady beryl said lord colambre excellent friend as you are explain to her you can better than any of us all that is to be known let her know my whole conduct and then let her decide for herself and i shall submit to her decision it is difficult my dear grace to restrain the expression of love of passion such as i feel but i have some power over myself you know it and this i can promise you that your affections shall be free as air that no wishes of friends no interference nothing but your own unbiased choice will i allow if my life depended upon it to operate in my favour be assured my dearest grace added he smiling as he retired you shall have time to know whether you are happy or not the moment he had left the room she threw herself into the arms of her friend and her heart oppressed with various feelings was relieved by tears a species of relief to which she was not habituated i am happy said she but what was the invincible obstacle what was the meaning of my aunt's words and what was the cause of her joy explain all this to me my dear friend for i am still as if i were in a dream with all the delicacy which lady clonbrony deemed superfluous lady beryl explained nothing could surpass the astonishment of grace on first learning that mr nugent was not her father 
when she was told of the stigma that had been cast on her birth the suspicions the disgrace to which her mother had been subjected for so many years that mother whom she had so loved and respected who had with such care instilled into the mind of her daughter the principles of virtue and religion that mother whom grace had always seen the example of every virtue she taught on whom her daughter never suspected that the touch of blame the breath of scandal could rest grace could express her sensations only by repeating in tones of astonishment pathos indignation my mother my mother my mother for some time she was incapable of attending to any other idea or of feeling any other sensations when her mind was able to admit the thought her friend soothed her by recalling the expressions of lord colambre's love the struggle by which he had been agitated when he fancied a union with her opposed by an invincible obstacle grace sighed and acknowledged that in prudence it ought to have been an invincible obstacle she admired the firmness of his decision the honour with which she had acted towards her one moment she exclaimed then if i had been the daughter of a mother who had conducted herself ill he never would have trusted me the next moment she recollected with pleasure the joy she had just seen in his eyes the affection the passion that spoke in every word and look then dwelt upon the sober certainty that all obstacles were removed and no duty opposes my loving him and my aunt wishes it my kind aunt and i may think of him you my best friend would not assure me of this if you were not certain of the truth oh how can i thank you for all your kindness and for that best of all kindness sympathy you see your calmness your strength of mind supports and tranquillizes me i would rather have heard all i have just learnt from you than from any other person living i could not have borne it from any one else no one else knows my mind so perfectly yet my aunt is very good and my dear uncle should not i go to him but he is not my uncle she is not my aunt i cannot bring myself to think that they are not my relations and that i am nothing to them you may be everything to them my dear grace said lady beryl whenever you please you may be their daughter grace blushed and smiled and sighed and was consoled but then she recollected her new relation mr reynolds her grandfather whom she had never seen who had for years disowned her treated her mother with injustice she could scarcely think of him with complacency yet when his age his sufferings his desolate state were represented she pitied him and faithful to her strong sense of duty would have gone instantly to offer him every assistance and attention in her power lady beryl assured her that mr reynolds had positively forbidden her going to him and that he had assured lord colambre he would not see her if she went to him after such rapid and varied emotions poor grace desired repose and her friend took care that it should be secured to her for the remainder of the day 
in the meantime lord clonbrony had kindly and judiciously employed his lady in a discussion about certain velvet furniture which grace had painted for the drawing-room at clonbrony castle in lady clonbrony's mind as in some bad paintings there was no keeping all objects great and small were upon the same level the moment her son entered the room her ladyship exclaimed everything pleasant at once here's your father tells me grace's velvet furniture's all packed really soho's the best man in the world of his kind and the cleverest and so after all my dear colambre as i always hoped and prophesied at last you will marry an heiress and terry said lord clonbrony will win his wager from mordecai terry repeated lady clonbrony that odious terry i hope my lord that he is not to be one of my comforts in ireland no my dear mother he is much better provided for than we could have expected one of my father's first objects was to prevent him from being any encumbrance to you we consulted him as to the means of making him happy and the knight acknowledged that he had long been casting a sheep's eye at a little snug place that will soon be open in his native country the chair of assistant barrister at the sessions assistant barrister said my father but my dear terry you have all your life been evading the laws and very frequently breaking the peace do you think this has qualified you peculiarly for being a guardian of the laws sir terence replied yes sure set a thief to catch a thief is no bad maxim and did not mr colquhoun the scotchman get himself made a great justice by his making all the world as wise as himself about thieves of all sorts by land and by water and in the air too where he detected the mudlarks and is not barrington chief justice of botany bay my father now began to be seriously alarmed lest sir terence should insist upon his using his interest to make him an assistant barrister he was not aware that five years practice at the bar was a necessary accomplishment for this office when fortunately for all parties my good friend count o'halloran helped us out of the difficulty by starting an idea full of practical justice a literary friend of the count's had been for some time promised a lucrative situation under government but unfortunately he was a man of so much merit and ability that they could not find employment for him at home and they gave him a commission i should rather say a contract abroad for supplying the army with hungarian horses now the gentleman had not the slightest skill in horseflesh and as sir terence is a complete jockey the count observed that he would be the best possible deputy for his literary friend we warranted him to be a thorough-going friend and i do think the coalition will be well for both parties the count has settled it all and i left sir terence comfortably provided for out of your way my dear mother and as happy as he could be when parting from my father lord colambre was assiduous in engaging his mother's attention upon any subject which could for the present draw her thoughts away from her young friend but at every pause in the conversation her ladyship repeated 
so grace is an heiress after all so after all they know they are not cousins well i prefer grace a thousand times over to any other heiress in england no obstacle no objection they have my consent i always prophesied colambre would marry an heiress but why not marry directly her ardour and impatience to hurry things forward seemed now likely to retard the accomplishment of her own wishes and lord clonbrony who understood rather more of the passion of love than his lady ever had felt or understood saw the agony into which she threw her son and felt for his darling grace with a degree of delicacy and address of which few would have supposed lord clonbrony capable his lordship co-operated with his son in endeavours to keep lady clonbrony quiet and to suppress the hourly thanksgivings of grace's turning out an heiress on one point however she vowed she would not be overruled she would have a splendid wedding at clonbrony castle such as should become an heir and heiress and the wedding she hoped would be immediately on their return to ireland she should announce the thing to her friends directly on her arrival at clonbrony castle my dear said lord clonbrony we must wait in the first place the pleasure of old mr reynolds's fit of the gout why that's true because of his will said her ladyship but a will's soon made is not it that can't be much delay and then there must be settlements said lord clonbrony they take time lovers like all the rest of mankind must submit to the law's delay in the meantime my dear as these buxton baths agree with you so well and as grace does not seem to be over and above strong for travelling a long journey and as there are many curious and beautiful scenes of nature here in derbyshire matlock and the wonders of the peak and so on which the young people would be glad to see together and may not have another opportunity soon why not rest ourselves a little for another reason too continued his lordship bringing together as many arguments as he could for he had often found that though lady clonbrony was a match for any single argument her understanding could be easily overpowered by a number of whatever sort besides my dear here's sir arthur and lady beryl come to buxton on purpose to meet us and we owe them some compliment and something more than compliment i think so i don't see why we should be in a hurry to leave them or quit buxton a few weeks sooner or later can't signify and clonbrony castle will be getting all the while into better order for us burke is gone down there and if we stay here quietly there will be time for the velvet furniture to get there before us and to be unpacked and up in the drawing-room that's true my lord said lady clonbrony and there is a great deal of reason in all you say so i second that motion as colambre i see subscribes to it they stayed some time in derbyshire and every day lord clonbrony proposed some pleasant excursion and contrived that the young people should be left to themselves as mrs broadhurst used so strenuously to advise the recollection of whose authoritative maxims fortunately still operated upon lady clonbrony to the great ease and advantage of the lovers 
happy as a lover a friend a son happy in the consciousness of having restored a father to respectability and persuaded a mother to quit the feverish joys of fashion for the pleasures of domestic life happy in the hope of winning the whole heart of the woman he loved and whose esteem he knew he possessed and deserved happy in developing every day every hour fresh charms in his destined bride we leave our hero returning to his native country and we leave him with the reasonable expectation that he will support through life the promise of his early character that his patriotic views will extend with his power to carry wishes into action that his attachment to his warm-hearted countrymen will still increase upon further acquaintance and that he will long diffuse happiness through the wide circle which is peculiarly subject to the influence and example of a great resident irish proprietor letter from larry to his brother pat brady at mr mordecai's coachmaker london my dear brother yours of the twenty-sixth enclosing the five-pound note for my father came safe to hand monday last and with his thanks and blessing to you he commends it to you herewith enclosed back again on account of his being in no immediate necessity nor likelihood to want in future as you shall hear forthwith but wants you over with all speed and the note will answer for travelling charges for we can't enjoy the look it has pleased god to give us without yees put the rest in your pocket and read it when you've time old nick's gone and st dennis along with him to the place he come from praise be to god the old lord has found him out in his tricks and i helped him to that through the young lord that i driv as i informed you in my last when he was a welchman which was the best turn ever i did though i did not know it no more than adam that time so old nick's turned out of the agency clean and clear and the day after it was known there was surprise and great joy through the whole country not surprising either but just what you might knowing him reasonably expect he that is old nick and st dennis would have been burnt that night i mean in effigy through the town of clonbrony but that the new man mr burke come down that day too soon to stop it and said it was not becoming to trample on the fallen or something that way that put an end to it and though it was a great disappointment to many and to me in particular i could not but like the gentleman the better for it anyhow they say he is a very good gentleman and as unlike old nick or the saint as can be and takes no duty foul nor glove nor seal in money nor asks duty work nor duty turf well when i was disappointed of the effigy i comforted myself by making a bonfire of old nick's big rick of duty turf which by great luck was out in the road away from all dwellin-house or thatch or yards to take fire so no danger in life or objection and such another blaze i wished you'd seed it and all the men women and children in the town and country far and near gathered round it shoutin and dancin like mad and it was light as day quite across the bog as far as bartley finnegan's house and i heard after they seen it from all parts of the three counties and they thought it was st john's eve in a mistake or couldn't make out what it was but all took it in good part for a good sign and were in great joy 
as for st dennis and old neck an attorney had his foot upon him with an habera a latitap and three executions hanging over em and there's the end of rogues and a great example in the country and no more about it for i can't be wasting more ink upon them that don't deserve it at my hands when i want it for them that do you shall see so some weeks passed and there was great cleanin at clonbrony castle and in the town of clonbrony and the new agent smart and clever and he had the glaziers and the painters and the slaters up and down in the town wherever wanted and you wouldn't know it again thinks i this is no bad sign now cock up your ears pat for the great news is comin and the good the masters come home long life to him and family come home yesterday all entirely the old lord and the young lord ay there's the man paddy and my lady and miss nugent and i driv miss nugent's maid the maid that was and another so i had the luck to be in it along wid him and see all from first to last and first i must tell you my young lord colambre remembered and noticed me the minute he lit at our end and condescended to beckon at me out of the yard to him and axed me friend larry says he did you keep your promise my oath again the whisky is it says i my lord i surely did says i which was true as all the country knows i never tasted a drop since and i'm proud to see your honour my lord as good as your word too and back again among us so then there was a call for the horses and no more at that time passed betwixt my young lord and me but that he pointed me out to the old one as i went off i noticed and thanked him for it in my heart though i did not know all the good that was to come of it well no more of myself for the present ah you saw i driv him well and we all got to the great gate of the park before sunset and as fine an evening as ever you see with the sun shining on the tops of the trees as the ladies noticed the leaves changed but not dropped though so late in the season i believe the lees knew what they were about and kept on on purpose to welcome them and the birds were singing and i stopped whistling that they might hear them but sorrow bit could they hear when they got to the park gate for there was such a crowd and such a shout as you never see and they had the horses off every carriage entirely and drew em home with blessings through the park and god bless em when they got out they didn't go shut themselves up in the great drawing-room but went straight out to the terrace to satisfy the eyes and hearts that followed them my lady leaning on my young lord and miss grace nugent that was the beautifulest angel that ever you set eyes on with the finest complexion and sweetest of smiles leaning upon the old lord's arm who had his hat off bowing to all and noticing the old tenants as he passed by name oh there was great gladness and tears in the midst for joy i could scarce keep from myself after a turn or two upon the terrace my lord colambre quit his mother's arm for a minute and he come to the edge of the slope and looked down and through all the crowd for some one is it the widow o'neill my lord says i she's yonder with the spectacles on her nose betwixt her son and daughter as usual then my lord beckoned and they did not know which of the tree would stir but then he gave three beckons with his own finger and they all three came fast enough to the bottom of the slope for nent my lord and he went down and helped the widow up oh he's the true gentleman 
and brought em all three up on the terrace to my lady and miss nugent and i was up close after that i might hear which wasn't manners but i couldn't help it so what he said i don't well know for i could not get near enough after all but i saw my lady smile very kind and take the widow o'neill by the hand and then my lord colambre traduced grace to miss nugent and there was the word namesake and something about a check curtains but whatever it was they was all greatly pleased then my lord colambre turned and looked for brian who had fell back and took him with some commendation to my lord his father and my lord the master said which i didn't know till after that they should have their house and farm at the old rent and at the surprise the widow dropped down dead and there was a cry as for ten bearings be quiet says i she's only killed for joy and i went and lift her up for her son had no more strength that minute than the child new-born and grace trembled like a leaf as white as the sheet but not long for the mother came too and was as well as ever when i brought some water which miss nugent handed to her with her own hand that was always pretty and good said the widow layin her hand upon miss nugent and kind and good to me and mine that minute there was music from below the blind harper o'neill with his harp that struck up gracie nugent and that finished and my lord colambre smilin with the tears standin in his eyes too and the old lord quite wipin his i ran to the terrace brink to bid o'neill play it again but as i run i thought i heard a voice call larry who calls larry says i my lord colambre calls you larry says all at once and four takes me by the shoulders and spins me round there's my young lord callin you larry run for your life so i run back for my life and walked respectful with my hat in my hand when i got near put on your hat my father desires it said my lord colambre the old lord made a sign to that purpose but was too full to speak where's your father continues my young lord he's very old my lord says i i didn't ask you how old he was says he but where is he he's behind the crowd below on account of his infirmities he couldn't walk so fast as the rest my lord says i but his heart is with you if not his body i must have his body too so bring him bodily before us and this shall be your warrant for so doin said my lord jokin for he knows the nature of us paddy and how we love a joke in our hearts as well as if he had lived all his life in ireland and by the same token will for that reason do what he places with us and more maybe than a man twice as good that never would smile on us but i'm tellin you of my father i've a warrant for you father says i and must have you bodily before the justice and my lord chief justice so he changed colour a bit at first but he saw me smile and i've done no sin said he and larry you may lead me now as you led me all my life and up the slope he went with me as light as fifteen and when we got up my lord clonbrony said i am sorry an old tenant and a good old tenant as i hear you were should have been turned out of your farm don't fret it's no great matter my lord said my father i shall be soon out of the way but if you would be so kind to speak a word for my boy here and that i could afford while the life is in me to bring my other boy back out of banishment then says my lord clonbrony i'll give you and your sons three lives 
or thirty-one years from this day of your former farm return to it when you please and added my lord colambre the flaggers i hope will soon be banished oh how could i thank him not a word could i proffer but i know i clasped my two hands and prayed for him inwardly and my father was dropping down on his knees but the master would not let him and observed that posture should only be for his god and sure enough in that posture when he was out of sight we did pray for him that night and will all our days but before we quit his presence he called me back and bid me write to my brother and bring you back if you've no objections to your own country so come my dear pat and make no delay for joy's not joy complete till you're in it my father sends his blessin and peggy her love the family entirely is to settle for good in ireland and there was in the castle-yard last night a bonfire made by my lord's orders of the old yellow damask furniture to please my lady my lord says and the drawing-room the butler was telling me is new hung and the chairs with velvet as white as snow and shaded over with natural flowers by miss nugent oh how i hope what i guess will come true and i've reason to believe it will for i dreamt in my bed last night it did but keep yourself to yourself that miss nugent who is no more miss nugent they say but miss reynolds and has a new-found grandfather and is a big heiress which she did not want in my eyes nor in my young lord's i've a notion will be some time and maybe sooner than is expected my lady viscountess colambre so haste to the wedding and there's another thing they say the rich old grandfather's comin over and another thing pat you would not be out of the fashion and you see it's growin the fashion not to be an absentee your lovin brother larry brady End of chapter 17 End of the Absentee by Mariah Edgeworth